Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. Coming up this hour. President Biden reacts to another deadly school shooting. We will not forget. We can do so much more. We have to do more. Plus, candidates backed by Donald Trump lose and win primaries in Georgia. And the Fed releases minutes from its May policy meeting. The NYPD says there has been an arrest in a deadly subway shooting. Plus, the second shipment of baby formula from overseas arrives in the U.S. today. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm Scott Seidenberg. The Rangers even up their playoff series. The Yankees snap their losing streak. And the Mets lose a wild one out west. I'll have that and more coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington DC, Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. And U.S. futures are little change this morning. 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are, again, little change. Dow futures down 34, and NASDAQ futures are up 11. The DAX in Germany is up almost two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up two thirty seconds, yield 2.74 percent. John. Karen, we're going to have more on the markets in a minute. But first, the latest on the deadliest shooting at a U.S. grade school since Sandy Hook Elementary in Connecticut. At least 19 children and two adults were killed by an 18-year-old gunman at a Texas elementary school. The shooting has drawn emotional and angry reaction from President Biden. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has more. Biden tapping into the anguish. To lose a child is like having a piece of your soul ripped away. And pivoting quickly to gun control. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? And answers? When we passed the assault weapons ban, mass shootings went down. When the law expired, mass shootings tripled. The president saying it's time for Congress to move back. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Our thanks, Ed. In the interest of transparency, we should note Michael Bloomberg, the founder majority owner of Bloomberg LP, parent of Bloomberg Radio, is a donor to groups that support gun control. Well, John, the Texas shooting took place just 10 days after a gunman opened fire at a Buffalo supermarket in a racist attack. Anger overflowed among Americans who have long demanded legislation to prevent gun violence. And Bloomberg politics contributor Jeannie Sheehan Zeno discussed the issue with Bloomberg's Joe Matthew. It's never too early to start talking solutions because this is not, again, an isolated incident. This a tinge is, of politics could it, backfire, though. It, it can backfire, but you know what? That should be nobody's concern, and particularly this president's. This is going on and on. It has to be addressed. The problem is, can you move anything like this through the U.S. Congress today? And sadly, the answer is no. 
Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno speaking with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. And another major story we're following this morning, the key primary races across the country. We'll start in Georgia, where candidates backed by President Donald Trump have both won and lost. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, both targets of former President Donald Trump, both won their primaries. Kemp beat David Perdue with 73.7% of the vote and will face off against Democrat Stacey Abrams, who ran unopposed. Raffensperger beat Jody Heiss with 52.2% of the vote. Former football great Herschel Walker, who was also backed by Trump, won the GOP Senate primary with 68.3% of the vote. And he'll face Democrat incumbent Raphael Warnock, who won with nearly nine. 96% of the vote. Marjorie Taylor Greene won her GOP House primary with 69.5% of the vote. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. Let's continue our team coverage of those primary races now with a look at some other results. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. The Republican Senate primary heads into a runoff in Alabama with Katie Britt and U.S. Representative Mo Brooks. Britt garnered 44% of the vote to 29% for Brooks. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Saunders wins the GOP nomination for governor in Arkansas with 83 percent of the vote. And Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton wins the GOP nomination for re-election with nearly 68 percent of the vote. He was up against a member of the Bush political dynasty, beating George P. Bush in the contest. Paxton is still under indictment for securities fraud and an FBI investigation. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. Turning to markets, U.S. futures. Right now, they are mixed following a late-day rally on Wall Street, which saw the Dow close higher, as well as the S&P 500 Paris losses. Fed policy continues to dominate market moves today. We're going to get more clues on how high interest rates may go and how fast the Fed releases minutes from its policy meeting, 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Let's get a preview from Bloomberg's Mike McKee. An unusually open Fed has all but promised two consecutive half-percentage-point rate increases in June and July. What they haven't publicly agreed on is what happens after that. That's why investors and analysts will be parsing the minutes of their May meeting for clues to how far Fed officials think they need to go and how quickly. Something else to look for, a move away from discussing the concept of a neutral rate target in favor of following financial conditions, which have tightened significantly the past two months. If that continues, they may not have to raise rates as much. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thank you. Well, a highly anticipated Twitter shareholder meeting also takes place today, and we get a preview from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Well, you can expect a tumultuous meeting today, and it's all about money, $44 billion. Twitter's board says Elon Musk's $44 billion agreement to buy the site is a done deal. There's no negotiating on the sale price, and it's urging its shareholders to approve the deal. But Musk is balking, saying he'll only move forward if the company is transparent about all the fake bots and spam accounts on the platform. Many think that Musk either has cold feet about the agreement or is merely angling for a sharply lower price. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Tom. And we may be just a day away from a major deal in the tech world. Bloomberg News has learned that Broadcom is working toward the announcement of an acquisition of VMware tomorrow. The stock and cash deal would value the cloud computing company at $140 a share. Closed much lower than that yesterday, nearly $116 a share. This is Bloomberg. 
Cincinnati. It is now 5.07 on Wall Street. And that's time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. A man suspected of abruptly pulling a gun and killing a stranger on a New York City subway train has been arrested. Police say they don't yet know what motivated the apparently unprovoked attack. Andrew Abdullah was taken into custody hours after authorities posted his name and photo on social media and implored the public to help find him. New York Mayor Eric Adams. The fact is, he is the poster child of many people who believe they can create violence without any repercussion at all. Mayor Adams says the 25-year-old is expected to face a murder charge in the death of 48-year-old Daniel Enriquez. Enriquez was shot to death while heading to brunch Sunday morning. Earlier, Mayor Adams commented on a report from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. NOAA released their predictions for the Atlantic hurricane season outlook predicting an above-normal storm season for a seventh year in a row and up to six major hurricanes impacting the country. Adams says it's essential for New Yorkers to understand their risks and evacuation plans before these kinds of weather events strike. Coastal storms, hurricanes, and floods, uh, preparation is everything. And today this announcement is allowing all of our agencies uh, and New Yorkers uh, to be prepared. Mayor Adams reflected on Hurricane Ida, which killed more than a dozen New Yorkers last fall with flash floods. LIRR and Metro North train ridership is down 40% from pre-pandemic levels in 2019. The estimated number of passengers averaged 327,000 per day for the work week ending May 20th. The good news is that ridership is up 2.9% from the previous week. First Lady Jill Biden and Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy will greet the arrival of the second shipment of baby formula through Operation Fly Formula. A FedEx plane traveling from Germany packed with formula lands today at Dulles Airport outside Washington. The first shipment of specialized formula from Europe arrived Sunday. South Korea says it appears North Korea has test-launched an intercontinental ballistic missile. The South says the North also tested two other missiles. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It's now 510 on Wall Street. That's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, John. The Rangers beat the Hurricanes 4-1 to even up their playoff series at two games apiece. Frank Petrano opened up the scoring on the power play. Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad, and Andrew Kopp also scored, while Igor Shesterkin made 30 saves. Here was Gerard Gallant. Competed hard. The first period was probably the best period of hockey I've seen this year from both teams, not just us. It was back and forth. It was, uh, I thought it could have been 4-2 for I thought us after the first period. Both goalies were outstanding. Elsewhere, the Oilers took a 3-1 series lead over the Flames with a 5-3 win. NBA playoffs last night, the Mavericks avoid elimination, beating the Warriors 119-109. Tonight, Eastern Conference Finals Game 5, the Heat and Celtics tied at two games apiece. Jose Trevino with a big night for the Yankees, a solo homer in the third, a game-tying single in the seventh, and the walk-off winner in the bottom of the 11th as the Yankees snapped their season-high three-game losing streak, beating the Orioles 7-6. The 
Mets and Giants playing a back-and-forth game last night in San Francisco. The Mets scoring 10 runs in the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings combined. They erase a 6-run deficit but would lose in the bottom of the ninth. and when Diaz allowing 4 hits, including the walk-off single, to Brandon Crawford, 13-12, the final. Tennis at the French Open. Joe Wilfred Sanga's career comes to an end. He loses in the first round and retires at the age of 37 with 18 career titles. Elsewhere, Americans Madison Keys and Jessica Pakula advance on the women's side. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. John? All righty. Thanks, Scott. And right now, futures uh, unchanged, the NASDAQ futures anyway. The S&P futures just four points lower right now. And the Dow futures down 52 points. So the benchmark 10-year yield in the U.S., 273. That is down one basis point. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And just ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, another mass shooting. Also, the midterm elections. That'll be the focus this morning when we speak to Terry Haynes of Pangea Policy. That's straight ahead. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. While stocks in Europe are higher, U.S. stock index futures have turned lower as markets assess the outlook for Federal Reserve monetary tightening. The dollar is pushing higher, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 8 points. Dow futures down 74. NASDAQ futures down 28. The DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds, yield 2.73 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.49 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1 percent or a dollar eight at $110.86 a barrel. COMEX gold is down half percent or $8.70 at $18.62.70 an ounce. The euro, 1.0665 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2507. The yen at 127.06. And Bitcoin this morning, it's up nine-tenths percent at $29,700. Today, we are watching for a report on durable goods orders out at 8.30 Wall Street time. And at 2, we get the minutes from the Federal Reserve's most recent meeting. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now, here Here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. An 18-year-old gunman opened fire at a Uvalde, Texas elementary school, killing at least 19 children and two adults before he was killed by law enforcement. Later, a visibly angry President Biden addressed the nation, renewing his call for the reform of gun laws. When we passed the assault weapons ban, mass shootings went down. When the law expired, mass shootings tripled. President Biden. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has easily beat Donald Trump's hand-picked challenger in a Republican primary. Former Senator David Perdue. Kemp got 78 percent. Perdue received 22 percent. Kemp will face Democrat Stacey Abrams in the fall. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has won the Republican primary in a bid to keep his job. He defeated three challengers, including U.S. Representative Jody Heiss, who was endorsed by Trump. NHL playoffs, the Rangers beat the Hurricanes. Baseball, the Yankees beat the Orioles. The Mets lost to the Giants. Red Sox and A's won. The Nationals lost. NBA playoffs. The Mavericks stay alive as they beat the Warriors after the game. An emotional Warriors head coach Steve Kerr talked about the elementary school shooting in Texas. When are we going to do something? Kerr's father was fatally shot nearly four decades ago. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. 
Michael, 520 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, another mass shooting. And the midterm elections, the focus for us this morning. We're joined now by Terry Haynes, founder of Pangea Policy. Terry, always a pleasure. Thanks for being here. Republicans, as I, as far as I can tell, Terry, have suffered no electoral consequences for their opposition to even modest restrictions on uh, civilian weaponry. Um, what, if anything, is next? Good morning, John, and thanks. Uh, what's next, I think, unfortunately, is the same kind of mishmash we've been, uh, political mishmash, we've been seeing since Sandy Hook. Uh, you know, the, there are, this is a classic example of, uh, of parties where the, the purest position uh, tends to take over and there's very little room for, uh, for common sense uh, incremental uh, improvements in the middle. And uh, there's not a lot of leadership in either party, you know, uh, as far back as 2013 in the aftermath of Sandy Hook. Uh, there, there was an attempt, a bipartisan attempt, by Senators Toomey, Republican, Manchin, Democrat, uh, on, on background checks to really, uh, really tighten all that up. And what you ended up with was, uh, with a 60-vote threshold needed, you ended up with a 54-46 vote, where four Republicans crossed the line for a yes, five or five Democrats crossed the line on no. And, uh, you know, what's going to have to happen is there's going to have to be some leadership. Uh, frankly, I think that, uh, that ought to start at the top. Uh, what you, you know, for all of the president's, uh, uh, grief and obviously sincere emotion about this, what you didn't hear, uh, yesterday was a promise to lead on this. And, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh, that, that leadership is certainly necessary uh, on a bipartisan basis, number one. And secondly, from a cold political calculation, uh, I, I frankly think that would be a winner on the president's part. Uh, the president has 40% favorability. Uh, there's, you know, he's not going to get a single vote from somebody who's a, a, a Second Amendment absolutist anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the broad middle of the country is crying out for action, and, uh, and uh, they ought to step up, frankly. Uh, the Obama people did not step up before, and uh, the, the president has the opportunity to do so now. Does it make a difference come midterm elections? I think really, you know, I, I, I think really not. Uh, people have this, uh, I think you, your observation is correct. Uh, people have this largely baked into their, uh, uh, their concerns about it. And, and, you know, frankly, there's a, lot of, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of pointing in every other direction. Democrats blaming Republicans, Republicans blaming Democrats, uh, politicians blaming uh, lobbyists. You know, and the, the, to me, that's always a tell when you're blaming lobbyists uh, for uh, for failure to act. Uh, you're deflecting, no matter who you are, and uh, or what the issue is. And uh, you know, and, and clearly, somebody needs to, to to break out of this uh, this cycle in order to make some progress. Here's another response. Um... Option volume for shares of Smith and Wesson yesterday after this, they surged. The shares were up over 1%. I mean, I'll spare yeah. you the adjectives, but that's where we're at. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I heard a, a, a statistic recently, and I'm not going to claim this is this is accurate, but, but you know, that over the last year, uh, gun purchases have been up a great deal. And, 
you know, there, there has been a sense, certainly since uh, certainly since 2020 and the, the summer of 2020, two years ago, uh, where uh, you know people get much more active about gun purchases uh, because they fear for their personal security for all kinds of reasons. And uh, you know, regardless of uh, what happened yesterday, and I'm not, not minimizing it, quite the opposite. But uh, yeah. you know, that that that's a much bigger problem. Um, complicating things, I, I would imagine, with the Supreme Court's current term, they're taking up, uh, at this point, local gun laws. For example, those that are in New York, there's a real possibility those will be scaled back tremendously. Uh, that is a possibility, yeah. Uh, it, it uh, you know, it runs up the, you know, the local attempts, local and state attempts, uh, to push the envelope, uh, on issues. Uh, these days is a feature of uh, uh, is a feature of uh, the kind of federal state relationship and the desire of folks to uh, uh, to want to establish positions and uh, you know guns are no different than uh, you know the, the road debate or you know a bunch of other things in that regard I mean you, you see uh, legislatures and uh, and uh, local authorities trying to see Karen. All right, John, thank you, and good morning. It is 5.30 on Wall Street. I'm Karen Moscow, along with John Tucker, and we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Beginning in Texas, have we been discussing at least 19 children and two adults were killed by an 18-year-old gunman at Robb Elementary School. President Biden addressed the nation last night, expressing condolences and quickly pivoting to gun legislation. Where in God's name is our backbone? the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies. It's time to turn this pain into action. President Biden addressing the nation after the elementary school shooting in Texas. We should note Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent of Bloomberg Radio, is a donor to groups that support gun control, including every town for gun safety. And now an update on the other major story we're following this morning. Key primary races across the country. As we spoke to Terry Haynes about this just a moment ago in Georgia, two candidates backed by Donald Trump have lost another one. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more details. Renita, good morning. John, good morning. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, both targets of former President Trump, both won their primaries. Kemp beat David Perdue with 73.7% of the vote. He'll face Democrat Stacey Abrams, who ran unopposed. Raffensperger beat Jody Heiss with 52.2% of the vote. And former football great Herschel Walker, also backed by Trump, won the GOP Senate primary with 68.3% of the vote. He'll face Democrat incumbent Raphael Warnock, who secured nearly 96% of the vote. And Marjorie Taylor Greene won her GOP House primary with 69.5% of the vote. Live from New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, elsewhere, the Alabama Republican Senate primary heads into a runoff with Katie Britt and U.S. Representative Mo Brooks. Britt garnered 44% of the vote to Brooks, 29%. Former White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders won the GOP nomination for governor in Arkansas with 83% of the vote. And Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton took the GOP nomination for re-election with nearly 68% of the vote against George P. Bush. And turning to the markets, futures lower this morning following a late-day rally on Wall Street yesterday. Just ahead, we'll get minutes from the Fed's latest meeting. That is due 2 p.m. Wall Street time.
And a potential big deal in tech, John. Bloomberg News has learned that Broadcom is working toward announcing its acquisition of VMware tomorrow. The deal would value the cloud computing company at $140 a share. S&P futures are down four points this morning. Dow futures down 41. NASDAQ futures down 12. Ten-year Treasury up 4.30 seconds. The yield 2.73%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.49%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.5% of $1.66 at $111.41 a barrel. And COMEX gold is down four tenths percent or $7.80 at $18.63.60 an ounce. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports and and this is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Karen. 5.33 on Wall Street. And time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. The NYPD says there is an arrest from Sunday's fatal unprovoked subway shooting that left one man dead. Authorities say 25-year-old Andrew Abdullah of Brooklyn turned himself in to police. Abdullah has more than 20 prior arrests on his record, including an outstanding weapons charge from last year and previous charges of assault, robbery, menacing, and grand larceny. New York Mayor Eric Adams says Abdullah is the poster child to show just how easy it is for someone dangerous to get a hold of a weapon in New York City. The history of this person, any reasonable thinking New Yorker is going to ask themselves, why is this person still on our streets? Mayor Adams says the city will work to improve the subway safety. More infant formula is arriving from overseas today to ease the U.S. shortage. Nearly a million eight-ounce bottles worth of Nestle's Gerber baby formula arrives at Dulles Airport. First Lady Jill Biden will greet the plane's arrival. The federal government is being criticized by how it has handled the shortage of formula. Health and Human Services Secretary Javier Becerra says the FDA's authority is limited. If they're not policing themselves, then we have to do more to make sure we are doing the right thing for parents who need that supply. Secretary Becerra has the formula shipment then heads to a Pennsylvania distribution center. South Korea says North Korea test launched a series of ballistic missiles this morning, including a presumed intercontinental ballistic missile and at least one short-range missile. South Korea says that it is in violation of U.N. Security Council resolutions and a serious provocation that threatens peace on the Korean Peninsula and the international community. The World Health Organization has identified about 80 cases of monkeypox globally. In the U.S., there are eight cases under investigation across six states. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. And it's now 5.35 on Wall Street. That's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's Scott Seidenberg. Thanks, John. The Rangers defending home ice, beating the Hurricanes 4-1 to even up their series at two games apiece. Frank Vitrano, Mika Zibanejad, Adam Fox, and Andrew Kopp all scored. Igor Shesterkin made 30 saves as the home team has won each of the first four games of this series. Here's Gerard Gallant. I mean, really, you look at the four games. It's not just the two at home, but the four games have been pretty much one goal game most of the way through. And, you know, we'll two teams that are close and battling. And 
you know, I, I just think it's been outstanding hockey by both teams. Elsewhere, the Oilers take a 3-1 series lead over the Flames thanks to a 5-3 win. Baseball, Jose Trevino with a big night for the Yankees, a solo homer in the third, a game-tying single in the seventh, and the walk-off winner in the bottom of the 11th as the Yankees beat the Orioles 7-6, snapping their season-high three-game losing streak. The Mets, meanwhile, played a wild game in San Francisco, rallying from 8-2 down, the Mets scoring 10 runs in the seventh, eighth, and ninth combined, but they would fall in the bottom of the ninth as Edwin Diaz allowed four hits including the walk-off single to Brandon Crawford, 13-12, your final. NBA playoffs, the Mavericks avoid the sweep, beating the Warriors 119-109. And tonight, Eastern Conference Finals, Game 5 from Miami, the Heat and Celtics tied at two games apiece. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, Scott. 537 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The U.S. East Coast's busiest port complex is getting ready for a summer of delays and congestion as container ships avoid the clogged West Coast gateways and traffic picks up from Asia. The Port of New York and New Jersey moved nearly 803,000 20-foot equivalent units in April, the second busiest month in the port's history. New York State's biggest mall has reached a new low and lenders could get hurt. Destiny USA in Syracuse was valued at $147 million last year, according to an appraisal. That's about a 28% drop from its 2020 valuation and a nearly 80% decline from 2014. Gas prices hit record highs in New Jersey this month, but not for New Jersey Transit, the statewide mass transit agency and a major fuel consumer. NJ Transit Executive Director Kevin Corbett says the service hedged diesel prices for the fleet, and so far, he says, they're in good shape. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks, Ed. It's 5.38 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report, and uh, time for uh, a look at some of the stories we're following uh, around the world right now. And let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus on 1010 Wins in New York. We're talking about Pfizer slashing the prices it charges for its medications in some of the poorest countries. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on WBZ in Boston, I'll be reporting on tech stocks taking a beating in early trading. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been hearing from the EU's Economy Commissioner, Paolo Gentiloni, who's been telling us he's hopeful of a deal in the coming days on an EU embargo on Russian oil. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that Minneapolis area residents saw their power bills surge almost 27% last month from last year. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Abbott Labs is reopening a Michigan baby formula plant in June. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. From inflation to the war in Ukraine, the U.S. faces an array of crises that demand the government's full attention. Yet on any given day, large numbers of the 2.1 million person federal workforce don't come into the office. That's a problem. 
Remote work hobbles the ability of government officials to collaborate, respond nimbly to crises, and forge consensus on policy goals. Because taxpayer funds will be spent maintaining federal buildings regardless, it also wastes money. Many cities and states are far ahead of the federal government in bringing back workers to offices. The reason is simple. Addressing today's challenges requires all hands on deck. If local governments can manage that, so can the federal government, and it should without further delay. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or O-P-I-N-Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at O-P-I-N-Go. This is Daybreak. The Bloomberg weather from meteorologist Rob Carroll. It makes the sun and clouds today. The high temperature in the mid-70s. Tonight, partly to mostly cloudy. Low temperature dipping down to the mid-50s. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update's brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. The well, U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning. Investors awaiting minutes from the Federal Reserve's latest policy meeting to gauge the pace of monetary tightening. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Again, futures are little changed. The 10-year Treasury is up 3.30 seconds, yield 2.73 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.5 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.6% of $1.76 at $111.53 a barrel. COMEX gold is down half percent on $8.50 at $18.62.90 an ounce. The euro, 1.0670 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2509. The yen, 127.04. And Bitcoin this morning up more than 1% at $29,740. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. A Visibly angry President Biden addressed the nation, renewing his call for the reform of gun laws. It's in response to the deadly mass shooting at a school in Uvalde, Texas, killing 19 children and two adults. It's time for those who obstruct or delay or block the common sense gun laws. We need to let you know that we will not forget. We can do so much more. We have to do more. The 18-year-old gunman in the school shooting was killed by authorities. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp has easily beat Donald Trump's hand-picked challenger in a Republican primary, former Senator David Perdue. Kemp had 78 percent. Perdue received 22 percent. Kemp will face Democrat Stacey Abrams this fall. Republican Herschel Walker will face Democratic incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock to represent Georgia in the November general election. Walker received 68% of the vote. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers beat the Hurricanes. The series now tied at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees beat the Orioles. The Mets lost to the Giants. The Red Sox and A's won. The Nationals lost. NBA playoffs, the Mavericks stay alive as they beat the Warriors. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Karen. 
All right, Michael, thank you. Well, it's 549 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and now we want to bring you part of our interview with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Moynihan told Bloomberg's Tom Keen and Lisa Abramowitz that U.S. consumers are holding up well against inflation and says he doesn't expect consumer spending to slow anytime soon. Let's listen into that conversation now. The account balance of the consumer pre-pandemic to now are multiples bigger. So a person had uh, you know, two to 3,000 average collective balance in accounts, now has, and that would have been about 1,400, uh, uh, one to 2,000 would have been about 1,400, is now almost 4,000 bucks. A person that had two to 5,000 would have about 3,500 on average, it now has $13,000. So just step back and think about it. It grew 5% in the month of April from March. So what you're seeing is consumers have more money in their accounts. The, the idea that they spent the pandemic money that came in January, March last year, just not true. Now, the second question is they pay down their credit card balances. From $100 billion we were down to 70 it's back up to 80 lots of borrowing capacity. The third point is, are they spending? And that's what's interesting. In the first two weeks of May, the consumer spent 10% more than they did last May. And that's over top of the payments that went out to pay taxes. So the consumer is spending... And tra- people say, well, it's inflation driven. 8% more transactions. Somebody doesn't. Use- Sorry, just, I just want yeah. I don't want to interrupt because we're going to extend this to 45 minutes. This is the real Moynihan, guys. This is the bank nerd giving us the operational stuff here. But this actually goes to the heart of a lot of the economic questions of the moment, right? Because everyone's talking recession here and stagflation. We were speaking with Bob Prince of Bridgewater. What you're saying does not scream of stagflation or recession. Well, so that's, this is, that's why I said this, we were talking earlier. This is what makes the job, you know, the Fed's job hard and easy. Hard, hard, easy in that you have consumers in good shape, you know, not over leveraged. The uh, home uh, values went up, but frankly, the, our LTV in our portfolio is in the 50s, so to give you a sense. So, you know, they, they, the prices went up and people didn't borrow it out and stuff. So that's the good news. The bad news is what's going to slow them down? So if you look at TSA travel Sunday, it was over top of 19 by 10 percent. That's the number of people went through the airport. So what's going to slow them down? Yeah, so what's going to slow them down? Nothing right now. And so the question is, you, you know, so the Fed has this tip, this very difficult thing of, of getting them to slow down without slowing them down too much. And then the second thing is the unemployment rate is really low. And so if you look at our Michael Hart, and it's a great economist, you know, he, he's, he's, okay. he's got, he's got, you know, he's got this year, you know, mid to high two, you know, he's got next year, you know, mid ones, uh, but it's slowing down the next year. If you look at his quarters, it's slowing down. So the idea is the Fed's, okay. the Fed's work slows you down. Now the problem is he still has unemployment three and a half, four percent. You're saying, wait. That can't sl- you can't slow a consumer down is, is working because they have money spent. So that's a difficulty. I believe, you know, I believe it's, I believe that they're going to be able to manage this flow, but it's going to be a tricky execution. Then there's things outside their control, the pandemic resurgence, you know, something going different in the war. But America's much different than Europe and other places right. because of this dynamic of the vibrancy of the U.S. consumer. And that's Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan speaking with Bloomberg's Tom Keen and Lisa Abramowitz in Davos. Continue to tune in to Bloomberg Radio and Television today for full coverage of the World Economic Forum. John. All right. Thanks, Karen. It is now 5.53 on Wall Street. Markets assessing the outlook for Federal Reserve monetary tightening, among other things. Futures right now in the green. Now let's get you set up for the trading day ahead. Tracy McMillan is head of global asset allocation strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute joining us this morning. What is your base case economic outlook for the United States? 
Good morning, Don, and thank you for having me. So our base case is not quite as as um, positive as Brian Moynihan's is. In fact, um, you know, we think that we are starting to see high-frequency economic data starting to roll over. We think that a lot of the positive data that we've seen has been more backward-looking, that the forward-looking data is more negative um, in terms of looking at things like consumer purchasing power, um, deteriorating the inflation-adjusted wages are starting to decline, um, and layoffs really are just beginning. Uh, manufacturing resilience, we think, is also going to be tested in the coming months as uh, consumers start to rotate. So it's our base case at this point that we are probably going to see a mild recession towards the end of this year and into early 2023. Uh, margin compression has been a theme as we got results from the retailers. Have we seen peak inflation? Well, it's very possible that we have seen peak inflation, but we do think that more important than whether or not it was a peak is how persistent that inflation is going to be. And we think that inflation could persist at really uncomfortably high levels, um, even as the economy starts to weaken here. And, you know, that's going to be because the labor market will probably remain tight. Um, We still have some supply chain disruption. And there's sticky components of CPI, like rents, that will likely remain high. Um, so, you know, what we're starting to see is um, some inventories building, some supply chain relief, and that could start to bring inflation down later in the year. But, you know, at the same time, we think wage pressures remain, and that's not a good combination for earnings. As far as Fed policy, is it written in stone for the uh, June and July meetings that uh, we're going to see 50 basis points? Probably not written in stone, but the markets are pricing for that, and the Fed has indicated that that is the path that they're going to take. Um, So their primary focus at the moment is to slow inflation. But, you know, we think they're seeing some of the same deteriorating data that we're seeing. And, you know, one has to think that it's starting to concern them, but we don't think they'll pull back on their aggressive policy, really unless there's some kind of market disruption, you know, maybe a liquidity event. Um, We don't think they'll step in as long as markets are orderly. Um, But we will be reading the minutes today to see if they mention any triggers that might cause them to take a pause. Given all what you've said there, Tracy, what do you pay for future growth at this point? Yeah, so we do see the likelihood of um, of PE compression, and we do think that it is um, likely that earnings are going to grow, you know, possibly at a lower rate this year than most of Wall Street is pricing in. We have a 220 earnings um, by year end, and you know that to us uh, says that there's probably some upside potential in equity markets from where we are today, but it's not a straight line to that upside. And we do think we'll end the year um, probably in negative territory. We see about a 10% decline uh, in the S&P 500 by the end of the year. 
That, that's the overall 10% decline from the start of the year, a year to date, or from where we, yes, the levels where exactly. we are now. Okay, from the. Right from, now, we're, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. All right, Tracy, a pleasure. Appreciate it. Tracy McMillan, head of global asset allocation strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute. Uh, head of the cash open on Wall Street. Right now, the uh, futures are in the green to little change. Now, futures up eight points. SP e mini futures. Just four points higher, and the NASDAQ futures are up 17 points. As far as treasuries, the benchmark 10-year yield right now at 274. That is uh, pretty much unchanged. The euro, 106.76, down about half a percent against the U.S. dollar. And you're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.